podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. What's good, boys and girls? Welcome to the Two Footed Podcast. It is Friday, the 2nd of April, and football is back in, well, real football. Club games, not that international nonsense. We are brought to you by epillindex.com in association with our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider that's a virtual privacy network, allows you to go online, change your location, access things like American Netflix, Peacock, HBO Go, also, you know, now TV, if you're from the UK, but having to operate outside the UK for whatever reason, it'll let you do that. Also keeps your data safe online, which is very important in this day and age. Check out libertyshield.com and use the code EPLVPN to get 20% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk for all your giftware or homeware needs. Right, folks. Like I said, games are back, and that means Guy Drinkle is back. How are you, Guy? I've had a nice, well, three-week break being a Liverpool fan, because we didn't have the FA Cup. Um, so, yeah, it was a it nice break. It has been pleasant. It has. And, Guy, Liverpool are now unbeaten in a month. It's beautiful. Unbeaten in a month. The season's been turned around. Exactly. Man, <laughs> Doesn't so matter you watch out. play for three weeks. <laughs> Man, so you watch out, we're coming. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly it. We're staging a late a late season charge. <laughs> um, we do have ten games to get through, so we'll, we'll might as well jump right into them. Yeah, exactly. And the first one uh, really should be quite straightforward: Chelsea West Brom. Although uh, they did draw three all, if I remember correctly, at the start of the season. I know Chelsea a lot of change since then, but I mean. Well, and, and it's changed at West Brom. Could, could you see any sort of surprise result here? Like you said, they did draw three uh, three at the start of the season. That was that was week three, um, and West Brom really should have won that game. They were three 0 up and threw it away. Chelsea are a different team now, though. Obviously, like you mentioned, change of manager Thomas Tuchel in charge. They're unbeaten under Tuchel. Uh, they've won six and drawn four of their ten league matches, and they've progressed in the cups. I think when you look at West Brom, Big Sam was brought in after the City draw, and I think they've gotten worse. I mean, I know mm. they've, they've they've won two games under Sam as opposed to one before Sam, but at the same time, the gap from them to safety has grown exponentially. They are as good as down. I mean, right now they sit 19th in the league. They're 10 points off safety and their goal difference is 17 worse than Newcastle. So, you know, it's 11 points for all intents and purposes, nine games left. I don't think there's any possibility of them staying up. The only thing they can do now is attempt to not finish bottom. I mean, that's literally the only thing they can do to salvage some small morsel of pride. Uh, It wouldn't surprise me if Sam walks in the next couple of weeks. You know, mission failed. Uh, he'll go and wait for the next club that that needs a, a guy like him. My issue with Sam, well, not with Sam, with, with West Brom, is that they didn't address the defence last summer. They didn't address it in January. And it's clearly their biggest problem. They've conceded 57 goals in the league. Chelsea aren't... They're not brilliant going forward under Tuchel in terms of a cutting edge. There's a lot of nice play. There's a, a lot of good possession but that, that final ball and the finishing hasn't been there. Now, I do expect that at some point in the next few weeks, somebody's going to get walloped by Chelsea. And West Brom are definitely a candidate for that, but you'd back Big Sam to pack enough players into defence to keep it somewhat respectable. Uh, injury-wise, Conor Gallagher can't play for, for West Brom because it's his parent club. 
But Chelsea do have some some players out. Now, Thiago Silva potentially back, um, but I don't think they'll risk him unless he's 100%. Uh, Edward Mendy should be back from the head injury that he got on, uh, just before he went away. Or was it? De- no, it wasn't a head injury. He got his wisdom teeth pulled, I think it was. Um, N'Golo Kante is expected back. Callum Hudson-Odoi is expected back. Tammy Abraham is expected to miss out. So him and Silva are probably the two that won't play. I don't think either of them make much of a difference. They're better defensively mm. without Silva, and I think they look better up with, with Giroud or Kai Havertz as the false nine with you know two attacking players either side. I, I'm going to say Chelsea win this game pretty comfortably 2-0, but with about 70% possession and quite a lot of, of territorial domination. 70's quite term, that. <laughs> uh, yeah, um... in fairness, it, like for given what Chelsea have done, it, it could be 75%, 78%. You know that Big Sam doesn't want hmm. the ball. 95 uh, <laughs> uh, Just stick on Chelsea for a sec, because obviously the international break, we saw another comical moment from, from Timo Werner, and obviously he was linked with our club for ever. Mm. <laughs> and you were you were one a bit sceptical of him, considering the fanfare around him before he almost joined us. Did you expect it going this way, and, and then that form going into his international um, career as well? Because, I mean, you mentioned Kai, he's kind of improving, whereas he's not met the price tag yet, but you see some sort of promise, whereas with Werner, it's like, it's getting worse, if anything. I think Werner's confidence is completely shot to pieces. My doubts over Timo, like, I was a big fan when he was at Stuttgart and he played as a left winger and I wanted us to sign him then. He moved to to Leipzig for 8 to 10 million and they moved him into a central area. And he obviously did brilliantly, like 21 and th- in 32, 21 and 45, 19 and 37 across his first three seasons. My issue with him was he didn't outperform his XG in any of those seasons or across the three years, I think it was, he wasn't outperforming his XG. So that, to me, was a concern. Now, his last season there, he was incredible. 34 goals in 45 games, and he did outperform his XG. But I was kind of looking at it and thinking, well, okay, is this progression or is this just a one-season you know, variation from the mean? I did have some concerns about how he'd fit at Liverpool. I didn't think he was a fit as a nine in a, in a 4-3-3 because mm. that's not the role he played for Leipzig. He played sort of almost the man a striker. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like a second striker from the left, a little bit withdrawn. I didn't expect it to go this badly. I, I have to say, I didn't expect it to go this badly. He's got 10 in 20, in, sorry, in 39, 5 and 28 in the league. It's, it's a very disappointing return. There's obviously a lot of kind of standout misses that we've seen. Mm. There has been a lot of good moments in terms of his build-up play or creating a chance for himself. And then at the last minute, that the finish just hasn't been there. I do think it'll improve. I, I have to say, I think, for me, if I was looking at Chelsea and they're going to play 3-4-3 next season, I'd be saying, right, well, my, my front three is Pulisic on the right, Havertz is a false nine, Werner on the left of that three, but a narrow mm-hmm. three, Chilwell and James providing the width I want from wing-back. Mason Mount in central midfield. I'm going to buy someone to go next to him who's just a ball winner, who's going to get the ball and give it to the others and protect that defence. The defence needs sorting, but you know that's another topic for another day. Mm-hmm. But I think in that scenario, he'll flourish. Now, I don't know if he'll be a 25-goal-a-season striker in the Premier League, but I think he can get you you know, 16 to 20, somewhere in that kind of mix. Pulisic can get you 10 to 12, Havertz 12 to 15, and then you'll get some goals from Mountain midfield, you'll get goals from Chilwell, I think James will add goals to his game. So Mm -hmm. you'll get enough goals, sort the defence out and don't concede many. I mean, they haven't conceded many at all under Tuchel. And you can win, just win a lot of games, 1-0, 2-0. You don't need to be blowing teams away. Now, I know Roman wants to see, you know, exciting football and he wants to see 5-0 wins. But that's not what wins titles. It's You look at who's won titles for Chelsea. 
Mourinho, Carlo, Conte. They're not exciting mm. managers. They've never really took that transition. I mean, Carlo had a mad year, but... Carlo's year was that. sensational, yeah. but at the same time, they were built on a strong defence. Mm-hmm. Like, the, that foundation was there. So, like, I think that's what they need to get back to. And, you know, maybe even start becoming more of a counter-attacking team as well. You mm-hmm. know, I think I think Timo and Pulisic on the counter could be lethal. So, I, I do have faith that he'll turn it around. I just... I don't want to say Liverpool dodged a bullet because I don't think that's true or fair. Him doing this at Chelsea is not reflective of what he might have done at Liverpool because it's just not relatable. It's a different mm-hmm. club. We play a different way with a much better manager than he had for the first half of the season. And, you know, a, a, probably a situation he'd have been more comfortable in. And let's be fair. He didn't really want to go to Chelsea anyway. Mm-hmm. He wanted to go to Liverpool. He was going to Liverpool Liverpool pulled out the deal because of, of because of COVID. He went to Chelsea because they made him the best offer. But Liverpool and Bayern Munich has been his or, or Liverpool or Bayern Munich has been his dream. He got neither, and he was probably a little bit disappointed that it was Chelsea he ended up at. I, I think all of those things play play a factor, but I do think next season we'll see more of him. I hope so, anyway. It is a weird curse Chelsea seemingly have with number nines. <laughs> so mm. you can only think of Diego Costa who's worked out since Drogba. Since Drogba, mm. yeah. It's very strange. Um, but we'll move on to Leeds v Sheffield United. Um, I mean, Leeds are inconsistent, but surely they're beating pretty much managerless Sheffield United. Yeah, I mean, inconsistent is, is the perfect word for Leeds. 12 wins, 14 defeats. Scored 45, conceded 47. Um, but they are, you know, comfortably in mid-table, 39 points. The traditional thing was always, you know, you get to 40 points and you'll mm-hmm. be fine. 39 is going to be absolutely perfect for them this season. Um, they will be in the Premier League next year. And that's that's all they they would have wanted when they came up. 17th or above is absolutely fine. As it turns out, they could well get top half. Um Sheffield United have been atrocious this season. Like, genuinely awful. The worst attack in the league, only 16 goals scored. 50 conceded, the second worst, sorry, the third worst in the league. 23 defeats. They're well on course for the most defeats in a Premier League season, which not really a record that you would want. Um, Leeds have only won three of their last eight which isn't ideal, but you would back them to have enough quality to beat Sheffield United. Now, since the turn of the year, Leeds have taken 16 points, uh, Sheffield United have taken 12. So the form since January, since 1st January has been similar enough. Too many defeats for both of them, but Leeds had done well in the first half of the season to give themselves a bit of a cushion at home, you would always expect Leeds to have enough to beat them. Now, Pablo Hernandez could miss out. Liam Cooper should be back. Rodrigo, late fitness test. Bamford, late fitness test. Adam Forshaw expected to miss out. As for the Blades, they've got quite a few players ruled out. Sanderberg is a couple of weeks away. Billy Sharp is out for a couple of weeks. Chris Basham's out for a few weeks. John Egan has an outside chance, but not expected back. Ender Stevens is back. Jack Robinson, Jack O'Connell, and Jack Rodwell all ruled out. Only Jack O'Connell is really a miss there. The other two wouldn't play. As you said, Sheffield United, no manager at the minute after Chris Wilder walked. Um, the, the morale has to be rock bottom. Absolutely rock bottom. Mm. They were a shambles against Leicester. An absolute shambles. And um, I expect them to be largely the same in this one. I, I think they're going to get walloped. And I think they're going to get walloped a few times between now and the end of the season. I'll go Leeds 4-1. Leeds will always concede a goal. Yeah. But I'll go Leeds 4-1. Yeah, I see something similar. That one's on Prime Video if you can't find that on the weekend because it's over there. Um, moving on. Does that mean Ali McCoyst? Oh, yes. 
Oh, outstanding. That makes it worth watching. <laughs> it does, absolutely. Exactly. That uh, and Rafinha make it worth that's watching. That's true, that's true. Um, next up, Leicester v Man City. Um, obviously, Man City have been magnificent for, what, the last two-thirds of the season, let's say. Um but Leicester's seemingly a bit of a bogey team for Pep. I know that they've inflicted some embarrassing defeats. He was even this season, wasn't it? Didn't they tear him a new one? Um, yeah, five two in the, yeah. in the third game of the season. Yeah, at City as well. Mm. Can, can you see something similar? Because I think, albeit that I'm not sure if Leicester have Barnes or Madison or anything back, but we've seen the form of Inia Nacho and, and Vardy is basically Pep Kryptonite, isn't he? Yeah, Vardy has always given Pep problems. Now, Barnes is out. He's not due back till May. Uh, Cheng is under. Apparently, he's out. Uh, James Madison could be back, so that's big. And Ricardo Pereira could be back. So, again, they'll be happy with those. James Justin is ruled out. So, again, that's another massive loss. And Wes Morgan is out, but again, like he wouldn't be playing. He's the, he's the fourth or fifth centre back he's at a this coach, point, isn't he? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. He is. He is now, you know, part of the coaching staff more than anything, um, which is great because he's, you know, a really important figure at the club and a big voice for the younger players. Um, Leicester, obviously, third in the league. They they're the only team who've been in the top four at the end of every single weekend of the season. They're the only team that has not dropped out of the top four once this season. So that's very impressive. But their run-in is horrendous. It's by far the worst of anybody in the uh, in the top half. This is going to be a really difficult game for them. The City team that they're about to face are not the City team that played them early in the season. This mm-hmm. is a completely different animal. City have the best attack by a substantial margin. The best defense by an even bigger margin. They're they've won twenty two games. No one else has won more than seventeen. They've only lost three. United have lost four. That's the closest. But United have drawn nine, as opposed to City's five. Um, they're fourteen points clear, fifteen points clear of Leicester. They're playing some of the best football I've ever seen. Um, they have no injury issues. Everybody is fit. Everybody is fit which is incredible at this point of the season. Like, you look up and down, them and West Brom are the only players without any injuries this weekend. West Brom are just missing a player because he can't play against his parent club. But everyone else has, like, three, four, five. Sheffield United have eight. Like, there's just injuries everywhere, except for Man City. Mm-hmm. Um, the if If they play... The four three three that becomes the the three two two three the three box three, it is it's just sensational to watch. Canseo steps into midfield next to Rodri, Walker and the centre backs form a back three. De Bruyne and Gundogan step forward as kind of twin number tens, and then you get generally Mares or or Bernardo Silva. Foden and Sterling as your front three. And they just, the movement is incredible. The vision is incredible. The technique is incredible. Like, every one of them can play each of the five positions to differing levels. And they just embarrass teams. Like, defenders just start wandering out of position because they think they need to track a runner. And they don't realize that that player is just rotating to a different position. And you'll watch them play, and all of a sudden you'll be looking at the opposition defense thinking, like, why is the left back in midfield and the center back is at, is at left back? And there's a big gap in the middle. It's because City's movement and rotation of positions has just bamboozled them completely. It is basically positionless football and attack with that five man defense just sitting back and holding everything together. It's one of the reasons they've had such control of games, like, they haven't been blowing teams away. You know, there's a couple of fours and a five in there, but generally they're scoring one, two, sometimes three. They don't need to destroy teams. They just get two goals up and then they kind of wave at them and say, right, well, you come and beat us now. Is because it more if impressive you do, they're doing gonna... it without a striker? I think, it's, I think it is, and I, I don't think it's by accident either. 
I think it's by design. And I, I and that's why I have massive doubts that City are going to buy Erling Haaland. Mm. I really think someone like Oyarzabal, who I mentioned yesterday, and, and I've been thinking about this more and more and more, I think he's absolutely the perfect one to bring in because he can play any of those front five positions mm. best as a winger, but can play through the middle, can play deeper if needed. I think he's he's perfect. And you'll get him for around 70 million, which they, is right in their wheelhouse of where they like to spend. Like, as well, the that's the thing. You know, they've they've done business there. David Silva went went there in the summer, so you know, he'll be a great conduit if they want to make contact with the player. They would rather buy two players for 70 million each than one for 150. Because mm-hmm. the way they look at it is Right, if we if we go for two for ones for, for if we get two players for our one fifty and one of them hits, brilliant. Whereas, you know, we've we've got a two and one chance there. If both of them hit, that's incredible. But if one of them hits, job done. Fifty percent is, you know, over the course of the history of the Premier League, it's it's the average success rate in transfers. Whereas if you spend big money on Haaland, I, I think he's a no brainer nailed on success. But if he walks in the door and tears his ACL five minutes later, mm-hmm. you're done. So I think, like, I think they'd be more likely to buy Latour Martinez and Oyarzabal mm-hmm. for that that kind of money than than buy Haaland. So I think this might be what we see from City moving forward. They might keep Gabby Jesus as their nine mm-hmm. for when they need a nine. But otherwise, I think we're going to see more and more of this. When you see the spread of goals in the team and you look at like Ilkay Gundigan's their top score he's got 12 in the league uh Sterling has nine Jesus has seven Foden has six Maris has nine De Bruyne has five Stones has four uh Silva and and Ferran Torres who's another one that will step up next year and get more involvement they've got two each so they're getting goals from everywhere but they just don't need that one big one big player mm-hmm. and I mean they're on course to win everything this year. Mm. You'd be hard Foden, not to make them Champions League favourites. If Foden becomes a regular starter as well, if he, and that seems to be his position, whether on the right or through the middle, mm. it's, a, it's a scary thought. Yeah, because he's basically a playmaking midfielder playing as playing in that number nine spot. Mm. And he can play everywhere because he came through as a midfielder. Mm-hmm. So he can play the Gundogan or De Bruyne roles. Or he can play wide, like you said, and he's been showing he can play through the middle this season. Mm-hmm. And we saw him at Anfield, and he ran the game, yeah. and he just dropped off. He popped up here, there, everywhere, got himself involved. He's got really quick feet. He can beat a man, shift the ball, and he gets a shot away really quickly. Um, I, I think this might be what Pep sticks with. I really do. I don't see Haaland going there. I don't see the Pep will want him. I think Pep has... has been looking to do this for a while since Aguero since Pep went there there was talk that Aguero was on the outs and if you look back at his Barcelona team when Messi played as a false nine mm. like it was a similar type of idea so you're on the Danny Alves would step in into midfield with um with Busquets, now he would play, he would go wide a lot more than we see Canseo do, but that same type of idea, that same type of role, Xavi and Iniesta would push a bit further forward as, as dual tens, and then you'd have Pedro and Villa as the kind of wide goal scorers, mm-hmm. in the same way he has Mares and Sterling mm-hmm. as his wide goal scorers here, and then Messi, now Messi was obviously ridiculous, but Foden can do some of the same type of things. Obviously not to the same level, but Foden's an incredible talent. Yeah. He really I is. think Leicester I think Leicester are going to find this a difficult game. Mm. I'm gonna go City to win the game two one. Yeah, I think if Leicester had all the players fit, like all the centre backs, um Justin, I think they could probably it'd probably be mm. a full threat Leicester's a different is a different mm. yeah in question. Because I think Barnes is perfect to hurt City, but without him, Iniesta is Ayosi Perez. I know Iniesta has been in smashing form, but 
we've seen misses against Man City in the past, haven't we? <laughs> we have, we have. He is, a, he is obviously a former City player. The thing is, when when it's when it's just Vardy and not Vardy and Barnes, you only have that one player with bursting pace mm-hmm. to cope with, and I think that makes it a little bit easier. When it's Barnes and Vardy, and they go in different directions, that can that can really cause teams problems. But without Barnes, I mean, Vardy hasn't been particularly great over the last couple of weeks either. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he did have some good moments against Sheffield United, but... Um, he seems to have free DNA natural rather than the other he, way around, doesn't he? Yeah, that's the thing. And maybe that's by design. Maybe, maybe that's mm-hmm. Rodgers um, trying to, you know, build Inacho's, uh transfer value for the summer to move him on because he wants to get Odson Edward in the door. But mm. I, I do think um, I do think City should have too much for them. Yeah. And look, City have been on this incredible run. They obviously lost to United, but that's what they won defeat in twenty nine games or thirty. They always games. lose to United. <laughs> that's the thing. Ollie Ollie parks the bus and said he don't know what to do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, next up, last game on Saturday, Arsenal v Liverpool. Um, you obviously did the AI uh, preview for this yesterday. Mm. Um, so Arsenal, I mean, the very weird team. Like very inconsistent, smashing young talent, but matched with aging poor players. It, it's a very weird mix. It is. Um, they did good work in January to rid themselves of three bad contracts: Soc- Socrates, Mustafi, and, and Ozil. But unfortunately, in the summer, they lumbered themselves with with two more in Aubameyang. Who, I mean, that contract's just going to get ugly. For the, I think it's a four-year extension. Oof. The last two years are going to be horrible. And then William, William uh, was just a terrible deal. Really stupid deal to bring him in. Three-year contract at 32, 200 grand a week, probably a 10 million signing bonus. You're basically giving the guy 40 million for three years when, in truth, he can't really play anymore. Not, not at the level you want to play at. If you want to be a mid-table team, Absolutely fine. No problem. He he will fit in there as a mid-table player. But if you have designs and anything more, you're in trouble. Uh, I said to Carol Magic yesterday, there's, there's half a team here that could be really good. You've got Gabriel at left centre-back, I think has a very high ceiling. Kieran Tierney's one of the best left-backs in the league already. Thomas Partey is a tremendous midfield player. And then you get uh, Saka... Smith Rowe and Odegaard. Now, if they can keep Odegaard, is obviously key, but I think they should be able to as long as they have the money. Um, I hope it, they do as well. It depend on Zidane. Really. It, it massively, yeah. massively. If Zidane leaves Real, then there's a chance uh, Odegaard will go back to Real. If Zidane stays, he's definitely going to demand a transfer. Um, so that's six players that you can build around for the long term. And you've also got other young players... Players like Martinelli, um, Joe Willock. Pepe could develop. Could. Nicolas Pepe's having an, actually a decent season. Mm. Not great. Certainly not £72 million worth. But it's a decent season. If they bought him um, for 30 which is probably his value, he'd that be an all right signing. Yeah. Would have been a fine transfer. They overpaid massively. Originally, because well, we were linked with him at the mm. time. And the asking price was rumoured to be in the kind of 50 to 55 million pound range. And you could have talked yourself into it. You really could have. They paid so much more because they paid basically nothing as a down payment. They basically paid a couple of million down with massive um, drawn out kind of payment plan. And in truth, it was just, you know, it was a... It was an unqualified director of football in Raul Sanelli making a bad decision to try and get good press from the Arsenal mm. fans. They what panicked it was. when Zaha wouldn't join. Oh, when they couldn't afford Zaha properly, couldn't they? didn't they? That's exactly it. He he was the top target, which was weird at the time as well. But that was the that was sort of the crux of it. They went for him, couldn't get him, and panicked and pivoted. But like when you've got six of what could be a good 11. Leno's a fine goalkeeper, but he's not a top-end goalkeeper, and you're not winning the Premier League without a top-end goalkeeper. 
They made a mistake letting Emmy Martinez go. Whether he's a top end goalkeeper or not, I'm not sure yet. But this season, this yeah, this season he's probably been the best keeper in the league. Um, they need a better right back than Bellerin. Bellerin is is an average footballer who's n- never been the same since tearing his ACL. They need a right side centre back. They own a very good one. He's just on loan at Nice, and and Arteta seems to have no interest in ever playing him. They need a partner for Tomas, and they need a number nine. They need a clinical number nine. Aubameyang can fill that role for a couple of years, but he's not clinical. And by the time the rest of the team are good enough to really challenge, he's going to be in year three or year four of that big contract. And Arteta doesn't seem to want to play him there. Arteta doesn't seem all that keen on Aubameyang, if Mm. I'm being honest. Which is very strange, considering the push for the contract. That's it. But again, I think that was one to pacify the fan base. Mm. Because they had a little bit of a disappointing summer. I know they got Thomas Partey, but they were linked with Hossamauer all summer. They were linked with a couple of other players that didn't land. Mm -hmm. So I think the fan base were a little bit put off by that. And then the, the Aubameyang contract just seemed to be to keep them happy. But you know, I'd look at them as being five players away from a potential title challenge. And that includes a player they don't own in Odegaard that they have to sign. So they need to buy six players. I think they've got five you can build with. Um, And then a bunch of good squad players that you can develop. And I'd absolutely have no problem if Pablo Mari and um, Rob Holding are your third and fourth centre-backs. You, you you wouldn't mind at all if um you know you had Eddie and Kethia and Martinelli and Balogun and and Joe Willock and I I'd be bringing back Maitland Niles and making sure he sticks around. Those type of players are good squad players to have, but they do still have a lot of work to do. And unfortunately, they've they have owners that don't really care. Um. And, you know, whether or not the money's going to be there this summer to do much, I don't know. They've also got a manager who's probably out of his depth. Mm-hmm. A director of football who has no idea what he's what he's doing. Agent-based transfers as well, isn't it? That's it. Agent-based transfers. And then above that director of football, you've got nobody with a football background. Like, their chief executive is, is a commercial guy. So, Edu seems to have quite a lot of control. Arteta has far too much power at the club for somebody with zero experience and and zero, you know, zero done to deserve it. I know he won the FA Cup, but I mean that's shouldn't get you that kind of power mm. at one of the top clubs in the world. Um you mentioned on the AI one yesterday that Brent I think you say Brendan should go to Tottenham and Arsenal. Probably Leicester's mm. probably the best place to stay for him, but I mean Oh yeah, Leicester have a much better team than yeah. either of them. But like yeah. it's Brendan. So Brendan wants mm-hmm. the glamour. Brendan wants a top six job. And Brendan will back himself in any situation. And I do think at Arsenal, if you could put a strong director of football in place, mm-hmm. with the players they have, the likes of Smith Rowe, Saka, etc. He's obviously worked with Kieran Tierney before at Arsenal. I think Brendan would be a really good fit at Arsenal. Um, Anyone else from the Premier League, you think? I mean, Hassan Hootel. They missed out. Tuchel was the one they should have gone for. Mm. Uh, to me, as like, and I know I was, I, I was, I did have hopes for Arteta. I really did. I, I thought he would be better than what we've what we've seen. But for me, the minute Tuchel became available, I'd have I'd have fired Arteta and just gone to Tuchel. I, I just would have because I think he Tuchel is just a different level of manager. I mean, Tuchel is a, is a world class coach, mm-hmm. whereas Arteta's you know a year and a half into into being a manager. Um. As for anyone else, I mean, I mean Potter would be an interesting one, but again, he's it's it's a big leap for him. It's it's a reach. Rafa, Carlo, I don't think Rafa would blend with what Arsenal want as a football club. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of parallels between Rafa and Emery in terms of the style of play. Rafa's a much better coach than Emery, but. The style of play can be a little bit dour, mm-hmm. uh, which is what's cost Rafa in the past. Carlo would have been great if they could have got him a couple of years ago. They did try, apparently, didn't they? I think so, yeah. And I think I think Everton just offered him more money. I mean, Bielsa would be a ton of fun there. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, Klopp and Pep are out of reach. 
Big Sean Dyche. I, I think that'd be I the think, dream. <laughs> I, I think if if that happened, I think that the lads on Arsenal fan TV or AFTV <laughs> now he'd go fight them. I, I think I think he would. I think it'd be him and and DT boxing the heads of each other outside the training ground of a, of a Monday morning. Um, until this blip, well, I don't know if you can even call it a blip now because it's gone on quite a while and it's been what's it been? Six, nine, twelve games have been fairly crap. Uh, I, I would have said Hasenhutl potentially, mm. but now it, it's kind of hard to look at it and, and justify. Nuno um, have been linked with him in the past, haven't they? Say again, Nuno. Nuno, they were linked with a couple of years ago. Well, two years ago? No, a year ago. About yeah. a year ago, before Arteta took over. I think it was him and Brendan originally, wasn't it? That were linked. Then Brendan got a new Leicester contract, didn't that he? Brendan, yeah, Brendan worked it into a new contract, and uh, Nuno. I, I've said I've said to you before. I think Nuno could be out this summer. I think he might just have had enough. Um, he he could be. I mean, there's definitely the players there to play his his system. You look. He's managed at, a big club in Valencia before, hasn't he? Exactly. Exactly, and he's a very ambitious guy. And if you considered a back three of. Saliba, Gabriel, and Tierney. And then maybe you play Saka as a left wing back. You buy a right, right wing back. Or you could play Ainsley Maitland-Niles there. In central midfield, you'll have Tomas. You buy one. I think you play Smith-Rowe behind two strikers. And I think if you're playing two strikers, you go Martinelli and you buy one. So mm-hmm. to fit how he wants to play, you probably only need two players to get started and and get going. Um, Leno then would be the one you'd be looking to upgrade on kind of in year two. But there's definitely, like, it it would definitely be a good fit. I don't think they'd need a whole bunch to play how Nuno wants to play. And they wanted wanted, um, Maitland-Niles at Wolves for 20-odd mil, didn't they? Exactly. In the summer, Maitland-Niles was due to go there. So he's definitely got some keen interest there. Uh, Nuno, Nuno could be a really good fit. Yeah, Nuno or, Nuno or Brendan are probably still the two. I mean, Bielsa would be the most fun because imagine what Smith Rowe and Saka could get up to under Bielsa. It would be incredible to watch them play, um, especially if he could get Rafinha there as well, bring him with him mm. and say go Rafinha and Saka on either wing, uh, Smith Rowe and Odegaard in the the middle two spots. Did he manage Pepe Lil? Was he a Lille? Was he a Wren? He was. He was. Did he manage Pepe? That is a good question that I'm going to check now. I I don't know, actually. I think Nicholas he did. Pepe. Nicholas Pepe. The only thing is a fail consider as well <laughs> yeah. with Arsenal is, I, I mentioned they need six players. You can bring back Guendouzi. He can be the answer in centre midfield, or Lucas Torreira could. Both of them very good. Right. Uh, no, I don't think they crossed over at Lille. Uh, Bielsa, they might have for a couple of months. Bielsa left in in November. He joined in the May. Got suspended in the November. <laughs> and then got fired in December. And Pepe had arrived in the summer. Um, yeah, so appa- and apparently bit. it was Pepe who who actually wanted him. Mm. So Pepe Pepe watched every game he played for Angiers. Um, so I mean, let, let's work that out, right? So if if he went the four one four one that he played, this is actually just fun. And as for the game, Liverpool are going to win two nil. Uh, Arsenal, Smith Rowe's a doubt, Sack is a doubt, and uh, Williams a doubt. Two of them are a loss, one of them's a plus. Uh, Liverpool, no Henderson, uh, no Van Dyke, no Gomez, no Matip. Uh, Firmino's back. I think Cuevin Kelleher's still ruled out, and Divock Origi's ruled out. So, um, you know, I mean, Matt, Van Dyke's didn't he? Van Dyke and one of the centre backs is the ones you'd worry about there. Um, Liverpool will win this game 
I'll say 2-1. Two, 2-1. One. Two, one. Um, right, Bielsa's 4-1-4-1. Four, one, four, one. Leno will be fine in goal. He'll, he'll want a better right back, but he could play Maitland-Niles there. Tierney's perfect at left back. Saliba and Gabrielli are centre-backs. Thomas Partey in the Calvin Phillips role. Pepe, Smith-Rowe, Odegaard, Saka as your four across. And then he could play up Amiang up front. Lacazette's a bit Patrick Bamford-y, isn't he? He is. He is indeed. But I think, I mean... I think lack. I mean, the thing with with him is he could he can rotate them and play them depending yeah. on the opponent. But I mean, there is about me. basically Rodrigo, isn't it? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> there is basically there's a Bielsa eleven at Arsenal that could be an awful lot of fun. I mean, Gabriel Martinelli would be another option up front. Yeah. Uh, he, he brought Eddie and Kethia to Leeds. Didn't play him. <laughs> Didn't play him, but there was there was reasons behind that, and one of them was kind of a an FU to Arsenal because of how patronising Arsenal had been in, during the whole process. Um, he, he spoke very highly of Enkethia. There's, there's very much a Bielsa 11 already there at Arsenal. That could be a lot of fun. It's never going to happen, but it would be. It's fun. never going to happen. He he would be far too manic for Edu, and he'd probably choke him to death the first time Edu came to him and says, uh, "Well, Kia thinks we should sign this guy." You're going to sign and... Coutinho, no? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're going to sign Phil Coutinho, who doesn't enjoy running all that much. What do you think, Marcelo? Um. I'm <laughs> quit the next day. <laughs> I I I actually think Bielsa would be incredibly fun in that job. I really do think he'd be incredibly fun. Arsenal can have at it. Uh, Leeds can have at it. Yeah, like a nice little swap deal. Yeah. Um, I think Leeds, Leeds lose that one. Leeds won't be happy. Uh, won't be happy at all. But there's the thing. Like, if Arsenal do decide to cut bait with Pepe this summer and try to make back some of their money... Could see him at Leeds. Just, just keep an eye on Leeds as a potential landing spot. Rafinha to Liverpool, Pepe to Leeds. You know, stranger things have happened. We could make it happen. Um, stranger things have happened. We're going to put that forward as the the two footed transfer of the week. We will. Rafinha we will. to to Liverpool, uh, Pepe to Leeds, and to complete the triangle. Um, Divock Origi to uh, to, to anywhere, to, to anywhere. Divock Origi to Arsenal. That'll work. Yeah. Um, it won't. Well, not for Arsenal, but it'll work for us. They've done strange um, Right, let's move on. Yeah, cotton distraction. Uh, anything to add on Liverpool? I mean, distraction in midweek could possibly throw them off. Um, it's an away game, so that makes me confident. There is the, the, the Champions League game coming up, but I think this game will take will take a big part of the focus. I think it'll be a full-strength team for both games um, because then they get a couple of days. Then they got, what, three days off, and then it's uh, Villa mm. on Saturday. I think that's the game they might rest some players for. I'm going to say Liverpool win 2-0. I, I, a 2-1. I don't, think, I don't think Liverpool will have too many distractions. I think they'll be... Locked in and focused on this game. I think, despite his words, Arteta is more likely to have an eye on Europe than Klopp. Mm. I mean, we want to avoid the Vanarava, don't we? <laughs> yeah, nobody wants to be in that thing. <laughs> yeah, we'd rather be in the Europa League than the Vanarava. Um, we'll do one more before the ad break. Uh, Southampton, Burnley, quite quickly on this one. Southampton, terrible form. Burnley, uh, good physical match. Sean Dice has done his job again. Um, pretty much. Burnley have only lost one and eight as mm. well. They've only won two of those eight, but they're in what can be described as somewhat of a run of form. They've dragged themselves away from the relegation. Beat Everton uh, last time out, which is a good, good result. That's exactly it. A really good result to beat Everton at Goodison 2-1. Um, Injury-wise, Burnley, Jack Cork should be back. Charlie Taylor should be back. Kevin Long is out. Robbie Brady's probably out. And Ashley Barnes is out. 
Uh, Southampton have quite a few injuries. Mm. James Ward-Prowse will have a fitness test. Walcott is out. Ings is out. Uh, sorry, Ings is back, I think. Walcott, I think, is, is, is meant to miss out. Uh, Obafemi, Romeo, and Will Smallbone all ruled out. This will be a, a very difficult game. It's two completely contrasting mm-hmm. managers. That high-intensity stuff from Hasenhutl, the, the deep block from from Deich and, and wanting you know, to not have the ball. Neither team really wants the ball. They want you to have the ball. So I think we're going to see quite a lot of um, strategic punts uh, into the corners from both teams. I'm going to say a draw. I'm going to go 1-1. One, one. Um, Southampton are at home. I'm going to go 1-1. One, one. If it was at Turf Moor, I think I'd go Burnley. But mm. at home, I think I'll go with uh, with a... Or at, at the... St. Mary's, I think I'll go 1-1. Yeah, I think if Ward-Prowse is in, it'll help a lot. If not, that's going to be a bit of a jumble, but they've been jumbling all season. They might, exactly. play, they might play our poster child, the lad who got sent off in five seconds. <laughs> yes, yeah. what a man. Who what played an against uh, England. I actually watched that horrendous under-21 game. He did, he very, very well. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing what happens when you don't get sent off after five <laughs> seconds. Um, right, we'll leave it at that. We'll take a break and then we'll come back. And we're back. Um, we have five more games to get through. And I think we should probably try and run through them a little bit quicker than we got through the first five guys. So what have we got mm. first? Yeah, the next one. Next set aren't probably as interesting. But Newcastle Spurs. Um, Newcastle troubles are well known. I don't. I, I think they've got Alan Samaxman back from injury, possibly. I think Callum Wilson's still out. Um, but if we focus on Spurs, I mean, the game before the international break, we saw a bit of a rejig from them, didn't we? They played Vinicius up front, was it? it mm. I'm not sure if Son's due back at all. But did, did you think that rejig worked for them? Yeah, I thought they looked better. Um, they're due to be without Lamella, who's suspended, Regulon potentially, Matt Doherty has a knock, Ben Davies is expected to miss out, and Son is, is a late call on a fitness test. So... They could be quite strong, or, or they could be missing some key players. We, we don't quite know yet. Um, Newcastle are obviously an abomination. Shar is out. Hayden is out. Dubravka will have a late fitness test, as will sit maximum. Callum Wilson expected to miss out. They're going to struggle to score goals. Spurs, not entirely free-flowing at the moment, but definitely have goals in the team. This will be probably a fairly ugly game to watch, but you'd have to you'd have to back Spurs here. I'll go Spurs three one. Newcastle are awful at the moment. Their run of form since like late October, early November has been shocking. Um, their defense is a mess. They're they're not scoring enough goals going forward, and they've gotten a habit of losing. Um, there's there's not a whole lot else you can really look at. Um, they've won. Since the 1st of November, they've won four games. I mean, they were actually doing okay till the 12th of December. They were actually fine at that point. They were 14th in the league, which wasn't great. They did climb to 12th, and then they've just collapsed. And they've only won two games since the 12th of December. That was Everton away and Southampton at home. Southampton were in that horrible run. Everton just love losing at home. Everton to are always teams. that team. <laughs> yeah, they love losing at home to bad teams. It's it's just the weirdest thing. Um, yeah, I think Spurs win this game. I'll go. I'll go three one. Spurs will gift you a goal, but they'll they'll score enough to to put Newcastle to bed. Yeah, they really should. They really should. Um, next game, Villa, and I presume Jack Grealish is back because he was meant to be in and around the squad before the international break. And Fulham, and if we start on Fulham, I mean, last time we did this pod, we predicted them being out of the relegation zone because we thought Brighton had beat Newcastle and they'd beat mm. Leeds. Brighton did beat Newcastle comprehensively, and Fulham just didn't didn't continue lead slump in in London and missed an opportunity. And that that's probably been the story of their improved form, where they've been better, but they've never took an opportunity to win them games, have they? That's exactly the thing. Um, they've lost games they should have at least gotten a point out of. They've drawn a lot of games they should have won. I mean, 
you know, the first 11 games of the season, they took seven points. It was, you know, pretty disastrous stuff. Since then, they've taken 19. But when you look at, you know, five draws in a row, they should have beaten Liverpool at home. They played Brighton at home, should have won that game. Southampton at home should have won that game. Then they, they lose two in a row. Then they draw two more away to Brighton, away to West Brom. Again, games that you'd, you'd be hoping to win if you're them in their situation. Um, they haven't won many games at home this season. They've only won two at home this season. Their away form has been that little bit better with three away wins. And they've and they've actually drawn more games away as well. I, I think I think Fulham are a better road team than they are home team at the minute. I mm-hmm. still think Villa should have too much for them though. Uh, like you said, Grealish is back, Courtney Howes is back, Wesley's the only player out, but he's just going to play under twenty threes probably for the next month or so, and they'll maybe introduce him back as you know into the match day squad for the last couple of the games of the season. Fulham. Uh, Rodak is potentially back Bobby de Cordova Reed potentially back Tom Kearney out but again he, he wouldn't be playing so both teams will be pretty much at full strength now Villa have been poor since the turn of the year only the four wins since the turn of the year they have dropped from 5th to 10th and in truth they've been a little bit lucky in some games as as well um a lot of it was put down to Grealish's injury they were bad when he was still in the team it kind of coincided with when Barkley got hurt because it was it was Grealish and Barkley together that was that was working really well Barkley got hurt they dipped Barkley came back he wasn't the same player he's now lost his place in the team I think they should have enough to beat Fulham at home I think Dean Smith has to finish top half this season because of how much money he's been given to spend, I think they've got very ambitious owners. I think he's got to finish top half. I think he's got to beat Fulham. I think they will. I'll go 2-1. Um, 2-1 to Villa. Yeah, I agree they should be well-rested, and hopefully that sparks someone like Ollie Watkins back in the exactly. some sort of form, form. for them. Um, and I am on the wrong tab. Next game, Man United v Brighton. And do I dare say the inform Brighton? Two back-to-back wins, scoring goals. Sounds weird. Don't like it. Um, and Man United's home form is well documented this season. Um, bit very mixed. Um, away from home, they they are seemingly up there, but they did beat West Ham at home last game out. So, you see a chance for Brighton here. That that we say this every pod. The league position's a bit of a lie. They're a tough game for anyone. They are. Look, United beat West Ham last game out and didn't didn't deserve to. Um, West Ham deserved a draw out of that game. United's home form has been largely poor this season. I, I know they beat Southampton 9-0, but if you look back, I mean, scraped past Villa with a, with a Bruno Fernandes penalty. Um, they scraped past Wolves with a, with a very late winner from Rashford. Lost at home to Sheffield United. Drew at home with Everton. Beat Newcastle, didn't impress anybody. You go back before that, beat Leeds, looked impressive on the day. That was fine. Drew at City, scraped past West West Brom, who, who should have beaten them. Lost at home to Arsenal, drew at home with Chelsea, lost at home to Spurs in a walloping, lost at home to Palace. Their away form has been you know, kind of what's made them uh, you know, fit a top four team this season. Mm. Brighton... Gave them all manner of problems at the at the um, the Amex earlier this season, and should have beaten them. Brighton hit the post about four times, missed a bunch of chances. United got a penalty after the game had already finished <laughs> to win. It was the weirdest thing. Um, Brighton give the bigger teams a lot of problems, and Brighton have been largely quite good since the middle of December. Five defeats and three in a row before these last two wins. But, you know, losing to Arsenal, losing to City, they're not bad results. Neither is losing to Leicester. They'd be very disappointed by the Crystal Palace and West Brom games because they absolutely annihilated both of them. They got robbed against West against West Brom, if we're all being honest. Um, but they have been they have been largely quite good. 
I can see Brighton giving United a lot of problems in this game. It is just going to be a matter of whether or not they take their chances. United have Juan Mata injured, Marcus Rashford a big doubt, Phil Jones ruled out as he always is, and Martial and Greenwood likely to miss out as well. So Mm. if they're missing their three main strikers, then they've got Cavani left, they've got Dan James, James, Bruno, and maybe maybe Diallo starts, or maybe Pogba plays left wing. Um, Neither of them are, none none of them are ideal situations. Um, For Brighton, Andone, March, Webster, and Lamptey are all ruled out. And Aaron Connolly is a doubt. So, Webster and, and Lamptey are, are you know big misses, but Lamptey's missed the majority of the season anyway. Veltman's done well, hasn't he, really? And Veltman has done pretty pretty okay. Like, and they've kind of shifted to a back four, which is which has helped them a bit more as well. I, I think Brighton will cause United problems. I'm going to go for a draw here. I'm going to say one one. Yeah, I can certainly see it. I can certainly see United must have a midweek game as well. I can't remember who they draw. Was it? They Spanish drew Granada, Granada yeah. yeah, in the Europa League. And I think that's their only chance of silverware this season. Because, um, I mean, you know, it's it's what Ollie, what Ollie's got that he can do. Um, and, and I think that may take focus, especially with the likes of, you know, Rashford and Martial, who maybe if they push them could be back for this game. Mm. I think they're more likely to hold them off until midweek. Yeah, exactly. I mean, how close, where's the, what's the gap to the top four? So they are eight points ahead of West Ham in fifth. They, they could slip up a few games. It's fine, isn't it, really? And West That's Ham. Thing, and West Ham have a tough game this weekend as well, yeah, so they, they'll exactly. be factoring that in too. Exactly, exactly. And, I mean, Danny Welbeck loves a goal against United. <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but it just will be. Um, so, yeah, I, I could see that happening. At the same time, I could see Brighton win. I could see United win. It. Just, I think it'll be a good game of football. Um, yeah, same. It should be a good game. And that is the last game on Sunday. We'll move on to Monday. Everton v Crystal Palace. Um, I could see this being a bit boring. <laughs> I won't lie. Uh, yeah, you see this it, it strikes me as it could be a bit of a stinker. Um Everton are, Everton are 8th, Palace are 12th. There's 9 points between them in the league. Hodgie's about kind of six to, 6 to 8 points away from where he wants to be this season. Everton should win this game. They've obviously got the better team. But they're, you know, they're coming in off back-to-back losses. Um, they have been quite poor at home. They've lost at home this season to United, to Leeds, to West Ham, to Newcastle, to Fulham, to Man City, and to Burnley. They've also dropped points at home to Leicester and Liverpool. So their home form has been their biggest issue this season. They've only lost, I think, three away games. Yeah, Southampton, before they were terrible, Newcastle and um, and Chelsea. So they have been better away. So that gives Palace a bit of a chance. Palace haven't been too bad away from home. And they did beat Brighton and Newcastle on the road in kind of the last couple of months. Um, I'm I'm, I'm probably going to regret it, but I'll, I'll pick Everton to win. What's their injury situation? Everton, oh, they've got a lot out. So Tom Davies is a doubt. Ben Godfrey's a doubt. James should be back. Olsen should be back. Delph is a doubt. Pickford is most likely out. Decore is still out. And Gabarman is still out. So that's a lot of players mm. missing. But Palace, you can always rely on to have just as many injuries. So MacArthur's All the defenders. <laughs> yeah. Like MacArthur's out. Ferguson is out. Coyote's a doubt. Klein is a major doubt. Mitchell should be back. McCarthy's a major doubt. And Sacco... And Tompkins are ruled out. I mean, it is they have been decimated by injuries for most of the season. Their first choice back four has been out all season, hasn't it, really? Pretty much. I mean, Van Aanholt missed a bunch of the season. Nathan was back for two games or something. 
Yeah, and he he's definitely the starting left centre back. Tompkins is probably the starter with him because he's he's better than Cahill at this point. And they bought Nathan Ferguson in to be a starter, and he's missed the whole season. And Klein was probably um, a temporary solution. And for Klein him. would have been the temporary spot in, and he's missed a lot of the season. Now, he is working his way back after a couple of years off, mm. and I think he's done all right. I, if I was them, I'd be inclined to keep him and let Joel Ward go. Yeah. And go into next season with, with Ferguson and Klein, I'd be definitely renewing Patrick Van Aanholt and Tariq Mitchell uh, and having them as my two left backs, that that's mm-hmm. without doubt what, I, what what they should be looking to do there. In my probably view, probably need a couple centre backs. If anything. they need a couple of centre backs in, they probably need uh, you know. Although they've got Butland and Gaita, so they're probably good in goal. Yeah, they could do it one in centre midfield and, and kind of keeping hold of McCarthy. No, McCarthy can go. McCarthy. McCarthy's the good one. <laughs> yeah, which is funny because it used to be the other way around. Yeah. Um. They, they've got a lot of work to do this summer. That's going to be one of the things we're going to do. We're going to go through everybody's squad once the season ends and, and figure out what they need to do. Um, probably do that like over two weeks, do two teams per day for two weeks or so, something along those lines. Um, but theirs is going to be one of the worst to do because they yeah. everybody's out of, contract. out of contract. You know, everybody. And, and they've got to figure out what to do with Zaha. I'll stick with Everton. <laughs> I'll stick with Everton to win. I, I think Calvert Lewin will cause them problems, and Richarlison will cause them problems. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll stick with Everton, but I think it's going to be tight. I'll go two one to the Ev. Sorry, dude. Do you just call him Richarlison? Yeah, his name's the Pigeon. <laughs> We're not getting into that type of slander here. The only he calls himself player. the Pigeon. It's I, not me. Does he? <laughs> yes. Oh, that's awful. Go che- that is awful. After this, go check. Uh, search for Charles and Tiago. He, re- he refers to himself as the pigeon. Um, is, we're is... going to... We're going to only slander... Jordan Pickford. Jordan Pickford. Charleston calls out Liverpool rival for ignoring the pigeon. <laughs> what? He calls himself the pigeon. He ignored the pigeon. What <laughs> a strange... Uh, a lot of Strange people said at least Lattin calls himself the lion, not the pigeon. What a strange boy. Yeah. What an odd fellow. Anyway, yeah. enough of him. Um, yeah, we only slandered Tiny Arms Pickford on this podcast, so yeah. we'll, we'll stick with that. Right, what's the last one then? Uh, Wolves West Ham, and uh, Nuno's just had his presser, and... It popped up on my Twitter. He says Ruby Patricio should be back for the West Ham game. Obviously, he had that scare with uh, the, the head, head, injury. head injury. And he says Jao Moutinho has a couple injuries and a couple others have small problems. But Jao Moutinho is the only one who's named. So, add so, that on to any other injuries, I presume. Yeah, Moutinho, Marcal and Jimenez all ruled out. Pedence is getting closer and, and could be back. Uh, and ho- hopefully now Patricio's back. So that's, that's a big, big plus for them. West Ham, Ogbonna's still out. Fornals is a doubt. Yarmolenko's a doubt. Randolph is out. Arthur Masawaka, who's been out for months, could be back in the squad, which would be Ooh. a nice little plus to get a decent... Back to decent a back three, maybe? Yeah, maybe. Or, or even just have to have cover at left back. Well, um, they could play him left wing if Fornals is out. So yeah, true, because he is far more of an attacker than <laughs> he is uh, in any way a defensive player. Um, West Ham, obviously the surprise pack of the season. They're fifth in the league, 49 points, only two off the Champions League. Wolves, one of the more disappointing teams this season, 13th in the league, only 35 points and six points off the top half, which is, is very, very disappointing for a team that you know had done so well the past two seasons. Um Wolves come into the game, they lost to Liverpool, they drew with Villa, they lost to City, they drew with Newcastle, so no wins in four. West Ham, like we mentioned earlier, they lost to United, they drew with Arsenal after that. and um, Should have won, that, to be honest. They've only won one in four, that was the win over Leeds, uh, when Leeds were scared of London. I'm going to say... At Wolves, I think it's a draw. What, what do you At reckon? Wolves, I'll, I'll go 2-2. So we obviously watched Wolves in our last game, and the lack of Jimenez is obviously a big problem. Mm. But they looked a lot better with Fabio Silva on the pitch than... Is it William or William? William, William Jose. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, he's been... I, 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 I liked that signing when they made it, and I think they'll probably end up keeping him because I think they've got a cheap option to buy him. I think they'll probably loan Fabio Silva, and then he's just the backup to uh, Jimenez when Jimenez is back next season. But, I mean, they're... There is, they've got issues at both ends of the field. The, the middle of the field, they're really good. They've got quality at wing-back, quality in centre midfield. Neto has been very, very good this season. Obviously, uh, Adama has been a big disappointment, but I mean, we, we know what he can do when he gets rolling. Defensively, they're far better collectively than they are individually, but you'd, you'd ideally want to be upgrading there. And the lack of... The lack of uh, Goals from Jimenez has been massive. Now, Pedence being out for so long as he... I think he's out now two months. Mm. That's been a big blow as well because he's one of the more creative players. And I think William Jose would look better with Pedence in the team playing behind him and getting, you know, wide support from Adama and um, and Neto in a 4-2-3-1. The problem for them is they can't really play 4-2-3-1 because he's going to insist on playing Cody, who's a liability in a 4-2-3-1. I, I, I think they'll get a draw here, though. I, I, West Ham just... They're going to hit a bump at some point. They just are. Because they've overperformed massively this season. Well, maybe like I mean, they just are. Maybe they won't. But it'd be very, very surprised if they didn't have sort of a, a run where they lose three of five. It's probably the start of it. Because the bottle's a 3 nil lead to Arsenal and lost to Man United. Exactly, in a game they should have gotten some out of. Mm. Um, Man City doesn't really count. <laughs> no, everybody, everybody loses to City, so that, that one's absolutely fine. But yeah, I mean, they, they, they did look, they crumbled against Arsenal. They really did. They were 3-0 up. They were absolutely like rampant. And yet, they absolutely threw it away. Two own goals as well, just to, you know, to compound it. Uh, Craig Dawson... Um, as as own goals in back to back games now, so he's Beautiful. he's on a bit of a run, and he, and he scored at the right end in the game before that against Leeds, so he's you know on a three game scoring run. So it'll be interesting to see if he can keep that up. He's Martin School, <laughs> pretty much. He pretty much is Martin Skirtley. He scores at one end or another. He's got five goals, sorry, six goals this season, uh, two own goals, and four the right way. So, um. I'm going to go 2-2. I am. I'm going to stick with 2-2. Cool. And that is the last game. That is it. That is all 10. Uh, So we will get out of here on that. No podcast on Monday because it is the the very religious bank holiday of Easter Monday. Um, So I will be, you know, having an old pray and such. Um, We'll be back Tuesday with what would be the normal Monday show reviewing the 10 games and getting into whatever nonsense VAR has caused over the weekend. Until then, enjoy your weekend. Uh, Stay safe. Don't do anything silly. And um, look after yourselves. Take care. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.